This episode of the Daily 202 podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we've taken critical steps to prepare for the U.S. elections. We've more than tripled our safety and security teams, implemented five-step ad verification, and launched a new voting information center. Learn more at facebook.com slash about slash elections. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is the Daily 202 for Tuesday, September 29th. In today's news, intelligence professionals say President Trump's debts and foreign entanglements pose national security risks. Nancy Pelosi makes a coronavirus offer that restarts negotiations with the White House. And a new Washington Post poll shows Joe Biden leading in Pennsylvania ahead of tonight's debate. But first, the big idea. A database built by Cambridge Analytica, the Republican-aligned firm that unraveled over allegations of improper use of Facebook data, disproportionately identified black voters as ripe for deterrence in profiles that were prepared for Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. This is according to a damning new report from Britain's Channel 4 News. The firm, Cambridge Analytica, was founded in part by the Trump campaign's one-time chief executive, Steve Bannon, who now faces unrelated felony charges. A database of nearly 200 million American voters sorted likely Democrats into several categories, such as core Hillary Clinton supporters or disengaged Clinton supporters. The database put three and a half million African Americans into a third category called deterrence in an apparent bid to single them out for advertising messages designed to dissuade them from voting. This happened in 16 target states. In all of them, black voters made up a disproportionate share of those marked for deterrence. But it was especially the case in places like Michigan and Wisconsin, which Trump won narrowly. The database, according to Channel 4, was used by the Trump campaign. This is an allegation that the campaign denies and calls fake news. But Trump's campaign did pay Cambridge Analytica $5.9 million for digital services that year. And Cambridge Analytica's former director of business development, Brittany Kaiser, tells us that these new findings are consistent with her understanding of how Cambridge Analytica and the GOP targeted black voters during the 2016 race. Brad Parscale was the digital director on Trump's 2016 campaign. His success at capitalizing on the kind of data that Cambridge Analytica made available is what earned him a promotion to run the president's re-election apparatus in 2020. Parscale, who managed Trump's campaign for nearly two and a half years until he was demoted in July, was hospitalized on Sunday afternoon for his own safety after threatening suicide while holding a handgun during a confrontation with his wife at their home in Florida. This is according to police in Fort Lauderdale, who said on Monday that Parscale's wife, Candace, called authorities around 4 p.m. to report that he had loaded a gun in front of her, prompting her to flee the house out of fear for her own safety. Several of the officers who responded to the incident wrote in their reports that Candace Parscale exhibited physical signs of what she said was previous abuse by her husband. One officer wrote that she had several bruises on both of her arms as well as scratches and bruising on her face, and another wrote that they noticed several large-sized contusions on both of her arms, her cheek, and her forehead. In an audio recording released by the police, Terry Bahal, a real estate agent who was showing a house in the neighborhood when Candace Parscale ran outside and flagged her down for help to call 911, can also be heard noticing her large bruises. Josh Dossie and Ashley Parker report that Parscale was angry over being demoted by Jared Kushner, Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor with whom he had been close, rather than by the president himself. 
But Parscale has been speaking to Trump in recent weeks and had been returning to the campaign's Virginia headquarters for meetings. Parscale, who was still employed by the campaign as of Monday, did not respond to requests for comment. And remarkably, the Trump campaign spokesman Tim Marta put out a statement Monday offering support for Parscale, saying the president is, quote, waiting for all the facts to emerge. Now, these police reports from Florida describe Parscale as clearly intoxicated, and a video released by the police shows him shirtless, holding a beer as he exits his house to come down his driveway to talk to the officers. As he stands in the driveway, starting to explain his version of events to an officer, another officer can be heard telling him several times to, quote, get on the ground before tackling him and detaining him with handcuffs. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this Tuesday. Number one, security teams at U.S. spy agencies are constantly scouring employee records for signs of potential compromise, daunting levels of debt, troubling overseas entanglements, hidden streams of income, and a penchant for secrecy or deceit to avoid exposure. Donald Trump would check every one of those boxes for this risk profile based on the revelations in the New York Times from his long-secret tax records. Former intelligence officials and security experts tell our Greg Miller that these raise profound questions about whether Trump should be trusted to safeguard U.S. secrets and interests. The records show that Trump has continued to make money off foreign investments and projects while in the White House, that foreign officials have spent lavishly at his Washington Hotel and other properties, and that despite this revenue, he is still hundreds of millions of dollars in debt with massive payments to foreign lenders coming due. The revelations add to longstanding suspicions about Trump's approach to foreign policy and seeming deference to leaders of countries where he's either pursued real estate projects or could do so upon leaving office. This list includes Russia, Turkey, and the Philippines, where Trump has sought to erect office towers bearing his name or made millions from licensing deals and other ventures. Intelligence officials say the magnitude of Trump's debts pose a vulnerability that's compounded by his determination to prevent his financial records from becoming public. Jeffrey Edmonds, a former CIA analyst who served in the Trump White House as deputy director for Russia on the National Security Council, explained that it's the hiding of a vulnerability that's the real indicator of potential security risk. He added that the more you try to hide something like that, the greater lengths you will go to keep it concealed. Larry Pfeiffer, who previously served as CIA chief of staff, and now is the director of the Hayden Center for Intelligence at George Mason University, says that if he had faced even a fraction of Trump's financial burdens, there's no question at all in his mind that all of his security clearances would be pulled. From a national security perspective, he said it is just an outrageous vulnerability. But there's nothing the intelligence community can do. That's up to voters. Number two. Democrats yesterday offered a $2.2 trillion coronavirus relief package, and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin immediately engaged in talks. Nancy Pelosi and Mnuchin spoke last night and agreed to talk again today. They're running out of time to reach a deal before the November election, but their planned talks this week appear to be the most extensive engagement they've had in more than a month. Senate Republicans and Mnuchin have also said $2.2 trillion is too much to spend, but Mnuchin has said he's open to discussing it. It's not immediately clear whether the talks will bear fruit or whether Democratic leaders would use the bill to provide political cover for moderate House Democrats who have grown increasingly anxious over Congress's inaction on pandemic relief. Mnuchin has said his priorities in a new round of spending would be aid for small businesses and children. He's also talked about providing more assistance to the airline industry and approving another round of stimulus checks. There is some overlap in the White House's goals with the things Democrats included in their new draft bill. 
The bill would fund a range of programs, including many that Republicans have supported in recent months. For example, it would extend the Paycheck Protection Program and provide $182 billion for K-12 schools. The biggest budget item in the new package would be $436 billion in aid to states, cities, and territorial and tribal governments that have experienced major budget crunches this year. The bill also would support an assortment of other programs, including $75 billion for coronavirus testing and contact tracing. But my colleague Erica Werner reports that several Senate Republicans oppose spending any more money at all, and it's unclear how that dynamic, coupled with the Senate's focus on filling the Supreme Court vacancy, could affect the chances for any kind of deal. Number three. According to a brand new Washington Post ABC News poll out this morning, Joe Biden leads Trump in the contested battleground of Pennsylvania, buoyed by strong support in the Philadelphia suburbs and his competitiveness in the state's western counties that were a Trump stronghold in 2016. Biden's support stands at 54 percent to Trump's 45 percent among likely voters in the Keystone state. Biden's current edge among likely voters appears sizable, but it's not definitive given the five point margin of error. With exactly five weeks to go until Election Day, our poll shows that 53% of Pennsylvania's registered voters approve of Trump's management of the economy, but 57% disapprove of his handling of the coronavirus outbreak. And that issue appears to sway more voters right now than the economy does. Trump's overall approval rating is just 43%. With 20 electoral votes, Pennsylvania is the most populous of the three Rust Belt states that proved decisive in the 2016 election. Women voters are also core to Biden's support favoring him by 23 points, while Trump leads among men by seven points. The Post poll suggests Biden is challenging Trump for support among key groups in areas that drove the president's 2016 upset, especially white voters without four-year college degrees. They account for about half of Pennsylvania's electorate. Trump leads Biden by 17 points among this group in our poll, but Trump won that group by more than 30 points last time. Biden also boasts a 23-point lead among white college graduates, about the same as Hillary Clinton's lead. In recent weeks, Biden has pressed the notion that as a Scranton, Pennsylvania native, he has more affinity for blue-collar voters than Trump does. The former vice president has said that, that this election is a choice between Scranton and Park Avenue. Trump has countered that he's the biggest defender of the forgotten man. This is expected to be a major theme of Tuesday night's debate, which starts at 9 p.m. Eastern and will run for 90 minutes with no commercial interruptions. You can tune in for our live coverage tonight. My colleague Libby Casey will anchor, and I will join her in our newsroom to offer a preview from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern and then for about 45 minutes of analysis afterwards. You can watch for free at WashingtonPost.com or stream it on YouTube.com slash WashingtonPost. YouTube.com slash WashingtonPost. And we'll definitely have lots to talk about tomorrow. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, September 29th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. Stay safe. This episode of the Daily 202 podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we've taken critical steps to prepare for the U.S. elections. We've more than tripled our safety and security teams, implemented five-step ad verification, and launched a new voting information center. Learn more at facebook.com slash about slash elections.